You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Linton Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. All right, so we can get started now. Welcome, everybody. My name is Lindsay Slocum, and I'm one of the pastors here at RPC, and I am with Jeff Myers, our senior pastor. Jeff has been um, walking us through, well, Jeff, and there's been a couple people that have preached, I guess, but we've been walking through this Less is More sermon series. And then on Mondays, we get together and we debrief the sermon from the day before, get to dive down in a little bit more. So today we are going to talk about your sermon from yesterday about pride, which I am actually really excited for this conversation because there's a lot of things about, well, certainly pride that I struggle with, but just a lot of questions um, that came out of that your sermon and just my own kind of struggles with, with this topic. But I wanted to ask you first, just because, and especially yesterday, you're you're always really good about this, but yesterday it just really came across you. There's so much content. You gave us so many quotes yesterday and so much just like information. That's not even the word, just really like an intellectual approach to what's going on. And so it always makes me think after you preach, I always wonder, can you give us just like a couple highlights to how do you even prepare your sermon? How are you even like coming up with all this content? There's so much, so much just really good, important information too. It's, you're clearly doing a ton of research. Yeah. Well, that's very kind of you, Lindsay. And I, I, well, a, I've been thinking about these questions for a long time, um, and I've been preaching weekly for 16 years now. So that's just a lot of content I've had to come up with over the years. And I'm always not recycling, but kind of reusing stuff that I've used in the past. And and, and then I'm also, cons- I, I, I mean, I consume a lot of content. I watch a lot of t- television. I read a lot of books, magazines, articles. And, you know, and I, I'm really blessed that, you know, at a church like RPC, I've got 2,500 people sending me art. Oh, you, you haven't read this. You've got to read this. And so I try to follow um, those loose threads as much as I can and uh, tie it up. And then I really try to, to, so I really try to work hard at helping us see how our Christian faith helps us understand our lives and the world a little bit more. And so I want people to feel, I I, want to have fun. I want people to laugh um, and to be moved and motivated, but I also want them to to see that um, their Christian faith makes sense and is coherent and it helps them kind of make sense of their, their place in the world um, and with their relationship with God. Because I I think um, I came, I want to be careful how I say this. I think sometimes I came from a tradition and it came, you know, out of a place where the Bible was really lifted up, but there wasn't a lot of connection to think theologically about my life. And so I really was trying to say, does Christian faith make sense? Why should I care about it? Um, how does it motivate me? How does it make me understand the world a little better? Um, and so that's what I try to do. And I want, and I use a lot of quotes and stuff because these are people, I, I think I just like quotes. Um, and I think I like them because they're memorable. Um, and I think 
you know, somebody, you know, I got a couple of emails from people. Oh, have you heard this Mark Twain saying, or did you hear this story about Mark Twain? Because yeah. I referenced Mark Twain. And I think it's a connection point where um, if I reference a movie like Rad, I had some people go, oh, I remember watching that as a kid, you know? Um, and I think that's really fun because when people say, I, I, I want people to say, oh, Jeff understands my experience. We're living in the same world. He's not in his like ivory tower or on a, a religious pedestal. He doesn't think he's better that I'm in, I'm in the, um, my feet are on the ground too. And I, and so I hope, I hope that that's one of the reasons I use a lot of content uh, to hopefully connect with people. And I try, I try to use, you know, current references, um, reference to ancient references. I try to, um, uh, you know, use highbrow kind of stuff, but I also do lowbrow kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, we try to, you know, we've got a really diverse group of folks in the congregation that we're trying to connect with and reach. And I want people to leave them with something at least to walk away with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that that is a real gift that you bring to the pulpit, because I think that um, it, it's apparent how important, how thoughtful you are about your faith and how important that is for you to convey to people that you want them to be thoughtful, not just kind of going along and doing whatever, but to be really thoughtful and figure out how to connect that in, in an intellectual way and a practical way. And um, and then at the same time, you're bringing in movies like Rad, which is hysterical. I actually had never even heard of that movie. I do not remember this movie, but it sounds like quite the movie to convince the youth of America to not take the SAT. It's <laughs> so funny. And, and there's, I, I just remember, there's like it's there's this great scene of like a high school dance i think it's like prom and crew comes in i think he's like popping a wheelie but it's like slow motion like in the dance and they're singing like um send me an angel you know that like like that slow like 80s rock song send me an angel send me an angel right now oh yeah 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 like I remember, that's how I heard that song. I think that's the soundtrack for that scene. I'm mean, obviously this has been like 30 years since I've watched it, but uh, it always stuck with me. To it just it's such a funny premise for a movie that just cracks me up. So that's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. And then when you read the Wikipedia article, that was like it's amazing. That was yeah, amazing. it's, a, it's a, an interesting distinction to be the you know, the biggest difference between audience reviews and uh, critic reviews, so. <laughs> it was awesome. If you're over 20, beware. It was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> That's a good point. Okay, but pride. Okay, so I actually was so excited that the sermon was on pride yesterday um, because I'll tell you, the very first sermon that I remember just really feeling like the Lord used to like touch my spirit was on pride. So the, um, when I, in South Carolina, I was growing up and we had an ice storm and, you know, here in the South, we hardly ever, if it looks like it's going to ice, they just cancel everything. And that was in the days where you never, ever canceled church. <laughs> that was pre-pandemic when you never canceled church. So there's this ice storm, nobody can get to church, but we don't cancel. We still have it. And so my family figures out how to get there. And it, they're really, there's three families in the congregation and the sermon that day it the name of the sermon was I am proud of my humility and I remember the pastor saying this is such a good sermon and now I'm going to preach it to just the three families that are here <laughs> like, it was this real exercise in his pride 
<laughs> but I, I think that we, it, that, that kind of, um, the, the struggle with pride has been one that we've struggled with as Christians, right, since the beginning of our existence. And even when we think about Martin Luther, who would go and spend hours in confession and then come out and say, oh, I did a good job confessing that day. Like, oh, wait, I just got proud of my confession. I have to go back in. So just this constant, of course, you also struggle with lots of guilt and shame on top of that. But just this idea of struggling with pride has really been um, prevalent all through our, our story is what it means to be God's people. And you acknowledged that yesterday. Matter of fact, you talked about um, pride being the root of all sin or, or kind of that ultimate that's at the bottom, uh, at the base of everything. So um, let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, this idea that pride is kind of the root of all the sin, and that feels like a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I would take probably. Now, I was defining. So, pride. See, here's part of the problem: is pride can be defined in a lot of different ways, and especially in English. So we say, you know, do you have school pride? You know, or um, I, I'm proud of my kids. And I don't think that is exactly, that's not how I was meaning it yesterday. And, yeah. I, was, and I was using that idea of target fixation or looking at nar the narcissist, um, looking in the mirror, staring at themselves, that pride is almost self-absorption. Mm -hmm. um, that's how I was kind of thinking of it. And so, and then if- Okay, if sorry, I'm totally gonna interrupt. I didn't even think about that, making that distinction. And so I was thinking about, as you're talking, and I'm thinking about the things that I will say that I'm proud of and the things that I don't. So, so kind of judging by the definition you just gave, do you think it's fair to say then that pride, the things that are based on when I'm based on myself, as opposed to those things which are not of myself that I'm proud of, like if I'm proud to, I don't know, be a, a I don't know. Now I'm having a hard time coming up with a good example. Proud to be a woman. Like I'm proud to be a woman. Maybe that because that's not something I had nothing to do with. Is that different then than the kind of pride that you're talking about, which is we're just. It's different, but I think, I mean, I think you can go overboard with that kind of pride. We could think of that as like maybe arrogance, um, pride in the sense uh -huh. of arrogance or, um, or, or not having an appropriate and proper um, appreciation for something. So having an, an inflated sense of self or um, an ego uh, that's too big, right? Or, um, mm -hmm. you know, they, uh, you, <laughs> you're proud of your new car, right? And, and you, you love it too much, right? You're too, mm -hmm. you're too proud of it because it's taking too much of the space in your life and maybe in your value system. Um, oh, that's good. So that's kind, of, that's kind of what I meant, the distinction. But I was really thinking, when I think about the root of all sin, I think um, pride is, is that for two reasons. Number one, going back to the story of Adam and Eve, okay? God says, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And the devil, or the, the serpent, not the devil, the serpent comes and says, that's a much later um, reading, but the, the serpent says, God, you know, don't believe that, you know? And, and, and they choose, they want to be like God. Okay, and so that's that's the the, the self-assertion to be like God. Okay, so I would see as pride. Okay, because mm -hmm. it distorts their relationship with one another and with God. Okay, 
John mm -hmm. Calvin begins uh, the Institutes talking about that our um, relationship with ourselves is tied up with our relationship with God. Okay? That there's that, that horizontal and that vertical piece. And then I would say the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Okay, It's about um, keeping a proper assessment of yourself and taking your eyes off yourself. Do not look at yourself like you're God. Mm. So that's how I would say um, pride is the root of all sin. Because once we begin to act like we're God, then then we'll steal, then we'll then we'll cheat on our spouse, then you know um, all the other you know kind of sins that we might um, we, we can think about. That's that's kind of that's what I meant by it. And I think that mm -hmm. I think that's pretty much where um, you know if you look at literature on the seven deadly sins and stuff like that, they'll usually, and it was really a, the, uh, pride is the root of all sin is kind of a medieval uh, formulation. Um, but I think it comes from scripture. Uh, and I think I take it from like Adam, you know, Genesis three, Adam and Eve and uh, the 10 commandments. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good. I, and I like the, um, I, I started to write it down and then you said something else and I started to write it down instead. So I didn't finish it. But when you were talking about this idea of something taking up too much space in your value system, um, including your own self, taking up too much space in your value system, I think that that's a really, that, that thing, that's a really helpful way to look at it. Well, okay. Lindsay, oh, go ahead. I, I just want to highlight what you said about your, that favorite sermon that you had that um, in screw tape letters, C.S. Lewis's great book where he, writes you know from a, a an older devil is mentoring a younger devil and how to tempt mm -hmm. uh, human beings and when he's and he one of the chapters is on the very thing you're talking about of if you, you see somebody who's really working hard at humility he says make them prideful in their humility mm. and i think and i think to under if we understand that you can be prideful about your humility it helps us it can help you understand that sense of pride that we're getting at that pride is trying to trying to take, put yourself at the center of the universe where God, only God should be. Mm -hmm. um, and there's all sorts of ways we do that. But I thought that was just a really interesting uh, thing you said and you learned from that sermon. I think it's really, really important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then let me tell you where I'm struggling then with all of this. I think this is just so helpful. Um, so this idea though of uh, focusing on yourself and well, Okay, you're talking about focus on yourself and then leads to the other things, right? Like the stealing or the, the various other sins that are coming after that. And even yesterday when you gave us all of the quotes, when you were walking through, here's all the people as they are defining pride. Those are all coming from people who have found themselves in, in a place of power or authority to say something about something. And so I think part of the literature that's coming out now out of the movements that are coming from people who have not been in places of power, right? When we look at what's coming out of some of the feminist theology or the liberation theology, some of those people who have, are, have traditionally experienced life on the margins and then are coming in. I think that there's a, a different, a bit of a different struggle with pride um, because they haven't had that kind of position of power. A matter of fact, out of some of that, the writings that are more focused on the a, a more woman's perspective of this is that it's fear turns out to be some of the root, uh, some of that root of so much sin because people who are coming in from marginal places are approaching things differently. Anyway, so I just was kind of thinking through all of this as you were talking yesterday and as we're working through some of this today. And so I'm just wondering, like, how do we balance all this and think through what it looks like to deal with 
pride, but also acknowledging that there you have a sense of worth as a child of God and that you deserve to not always be on the margins. And to, you know what I'm saying? Do you hear the tension I'm, like that I'm trying to set up, but I'm maybe not, I'm kind of all over the place with? Yeah, well, if I'm, if I'm understanding what you're, what you're getting at, yeah, I've learned a lot. Um, it, it'd be, it, and I think it's, well, okay, a couple things. I think it's helpful to speak about these kind of things if we're specific about situations or um, practical yeah. examples to kind of understand. But let's, um, <clears throat> and that's why I want to sit, talk about pride as kind of self-absorption or, um, and I think, and, and it's not, it's not, uh, it's not um, thinking, it's like that Lewis quote, it's not thinking of yourself less, but it's, thinking or not thinking less of yourself it's thinking of yourself less rather mm -hmm. and um and i think that there you know we are born in the image of god that um that jesus christ we believe died for each and every person every human being there's infinite value in a human being and that sh and we should treat one another like that okay um and you should treat yourself like that right? and you should and and that's so it, to have a, pro, that's why I like the, the language of um, inflation that like, if I have an inflated sense of self, I don't have a proper sense of self. Now yeah. I'm not using, I'm, I, I really wanted to be careful not to, and that's why I talked about, um, you know, uh, what's the greatest command, uh, you know, or the golden rule, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to highlight, it's important to love yourself. That's important, but it's all, but you don't love yourself to the exclusion of others. You don't love only yourself. Now, how that gets, how the golden rule gets played out in the rough and tumble of life, um, in practical relationships, when we think about uh, um, disempowered people who have been abused, um, who have been harmed, we'd have to get into the practical examples and say, okay, how do we understand what is the proper way a person should be treated? And with love, um, for themselves and for others. Mm. And I think um, that's where I would try to go, but I think it's kind of hard to think about it in the abstract because pride, we have to be really careful about how we're using that word because it can mean a lot of different things. Um, so that's, that's is that making any sense or move the ball? Yeah, yeah, no, I think that that's really helpful. I, I, yeah, I think that that's really helpful. I, but still, even still, what I'm hearing you saying is kind of, it, there's still a sense of figuring out how to navigate and thread the needle of what it looks like to, um, to and I want to be really careful with my words because I, I don't want to say advocate for yourself, but there are people that really do struggle with understanding that self-worth that you were talking about, right? And, and not even just individual people, but there are whole like communities that I think um, need, need to understand their worth. Um, at the same time, there are other people and or communities that do need to kind of back off of their, <laughs> the, their sense of self-worth too. So, um, and I, but I guess, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago too. That's just the nature of being a person of faith is constantly figuring out how to navigate. And, um, well, here's an example. I mean, I, a number of times I've had women come into my office and they, they're in an abusive relationship. Their husbands are either physically or emotionally abusing them and they don't have is it, they don't have uh, the self-confidence, they don't have the perspective to leave, 
and they need somebody to come in and say, you got to get out of there. You're, this is a danger to yourself, to your kids, and you need to leave. They say, is it okay? You know, but, but, but am I supposed to love my husband? Yeah, you can love him, but from a distance. Yeah. Right. You got to protect yourself. And I think that's why we need a, you know, people around that can help us um, in those kinds of situations, both to know what to do, but also offer us wisdom about how to navigate um, what does it mean to love uh, appropriately to show justice in the right times. So that might yeah. be a situation. Um, but, you know, for a lot of people, a lot of people, they need to go to therapy. You know, um, you know, if you don't have a good image of self, maybe you weren't loved as a kid and no one, no one told you um, that, you, that you're important, that you're valued. Um, you need to hear that. You need to know that. And, um, or, and there's a lot of self-hatred out in the world and that gets expressed in really bad ways. Um, and so we need to be, have communities and places where we can help people unlearn that kind of perspective on themselves. So they have an, a, a healthy sense of self-worth and value, um, mm -hmm. you know, cause pride is, pride is not their issue. Right. Uh, right. Um, right. And so, but I think for me, I just happen to know a lot more about pride than than, uh, than not being uh, um, than being disempowered. So I, I can speak more, uh, uh, hopefully, insightfully about that. Unfortunately. Well, well, and certainly a thing that we all, I, you know, everybody, we need to be thinking about talking about. Scripture is pretty clear about pride. There's plenty. There's not a lack of content out there about pride and the importance of us wrestling with that. And and I think too, just kind of as you're working through this is uh, of course how you pulled in target fixation and what is it that we are really focused on and what what's keeping us from veering into the oncoming traffic right that we, if, if we're focused on God or being healthy with our own understanding of ourselves and, and who we are as God's children or who other people are that keeps us like moving forward in a healthy way both as a community and as an individual um, but when we start giving ourselves too much space um, and that's where we're staring at that un oncoming traffic too. Mm -hmm. um, I hadn't heard that term target fixation before. I thought that was really interesting. Um, and I did, okay, so here's the thing. Um, if I am a person, let's just say hypothetically, I'm a person who struggles with pride, then at, at what point, how, what, what tools are in place or how do I decide if I am fixating on that which is not helpful or if I'm fiercely defending that which feels like it is important, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like what are, how do I implement checks and balances to make sure that I'm being faithful about what it is that I'm focused on? Yeah, so, so I, I think I gave, I think five or six questions at the end of the sermon yesterday that I kind of offered as hopefully helpful ways to get people to take their eyes off themselves. Um, because I really think it's, it's hard to say, be less prideful, right? It's, it, that's not really how pride works. What you need to ask is what can I do for others, right? What can I do to take my eyes off, off myself and look towards serving others? And in doing that, um, I'll become less prideful because there, you know, um, my energies will be spent looking at other people and how I can serve, how I can help others, how I can cheer somebody on in their life. So that's why I ask those questions. Because I just, I think it's kind of hard to say to people, be humble, be more humble. You know, it's like, what, how do I do, or how, have less pride. You know, people are like, mm -hmm. I don't really understand how do I do this? Uh, 
you have to have a, a positive action. Uh, and that's, I think, serving, um, uh, you know, because I think life and, you know, I told the story about target fixation, you know, running into the boat was, mm-hmm. was um, it, hopefully a humorous way to show you how life, if you're focused in on yourself solely, eventually life <laughs> will hit, you know, will knock you over and wake you up, hopefully. And some people will go back, won't learn their lesson, and they'll go back to being self-absorbed and narcissists. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I was hoping that that was a way that kind of illustrate how we can do something positive and helpful uh, for others. It was interesting. I I heard from a couple of pilots who were in the congregation um, who said that target fixation is a really important um, concept in flying and aviation. And that in, um, I think it was a Delta pilot just told me that, uh, you know, in war in, uh, you know, when they're, uh, you know, when to, what is it called? A firefighter, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It can be really dangerous that a, that a pilot, uh, they, they're known to fly into the ground because they get fixated on whatever they're wow. going and they lose their, where they're going, where they're at, because they get too fixated on their target that they're flying after. Oh, wow. Um, so they do a lot uh, in their training to not get fixated solely on their target, right? which I thought was really interesting. And I did. I, hadn't, I, I told him. I said, "Why didn't you email me before the sermon? This would have been great." Yeah, yeah. And you know what else I love about that story? This idea of not being fixated solely on your target. Um, because one of the things I kept thinking about when you were talking yesterday is, and even as we're talking about this today, is I was thinking about the times when people I feel like someone has come at me, or said something that I understood to be a barb that they were throwing at me. And then much later finding out that it really had nothing to do with me. Their hurt words were aimed at me, sure, but um, they were dealing with whatever they had going on in their lives. And then so instead of, because I, um, because my immediate reaction was to be defensive and to think about like how I, I wasn't doing a good job of thinking about where they were and what they were coming from and what they were trying to communicate. And, um, so I just kept, so that's a really great example too. When you think about fixating on the target, but it's, you know, maybe sometimes in those moments, instead of thinking about how do I feel I, I, and getting immediately defensive, but where is this coming from? And maybe this is a person that needs to be attended to yeah, really smart. whatever hurt they have. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really, really good. Um, and okay. So just, I don't want to keep coming back to it. And yet here we are coming back to it. I just am really curious though. Um, if we just go back really quickly to this idea that, that some of the theologies are coming out about um, fear. And as so I'm wondering, do fear and pride have a relationship with one another? Is there a, a play there? Are they connected? Are they opposites of one another? I'm just curious how you feel like those may or may not be connected as, as they are both understandings of how we are relating with the world. Huh. I mean, I tend to think the Bible kind of opposes fear and faith. Um, mm. We, as moderns, we tend to think of uh, faith being opposed to doubt, but that's not really the case. D- doubt is a part of faith, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I think biblically, uh, faith is really opposed to fear. Um, and so I, I have to think about pride's connection t- to fear. Um, you know, I think, you know, f- you're fearful of losing stuff that you care about. I think sometimes that can be attached to, if you take too, if you have too much pride in, in your, too much of your identity invested, let's say, 
um, in things. Um, you might be fearful it's taken away. Um, I don't know. I'd have to give it some more thought. You yeah. kind of stumped yeah. me. You stumped Yes. <laughs> no, 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 not the goal. It's just, part, I guess that's part of, as I'm hearing some of these other, you know, reading some of these other things and they're talking about this role of fear and how prevalent that is and being the undercurrent in so much of this. Um, I, I, then I guess I'm, you know, I'm just wondering then with this conversation about pride and a conversation about fear, and then are they related? Are they not related? Are they are they two sides of the same coin? Anyway, I don't know. So I just wondered if that was, it's something I went around and around a little bit with yesterday during your sermon. You know, and honestly, I, I think, I mean, the way I think about it, I mean, fear was really a part of Carrie's sermon on um, anxiety and control and, and fear. Um, she mm-hmm. talked a lot, really a lot about, um, and I just didn't, I, I I'm, there probably are a lot of relationships to private. We'd have to, I'd have to think about what, like specifically, um, what kind of fear we're talking about. Um, and maybe yeah. it's connections to pride. Yeah. Although I, I think it's fair to say both pride and fear can both lead to anxiety, really. Mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway. Um, okay, well, uh, we're... <laughs> Uh, we're kind of rounding out the end of our time. Is there something that I should have asked you about? Because I know that part of what you like to do at this time is things that we didn't get to say or you didn't get to use in your sermon. We like to be able to talk about them here, but I didn't ask you beforehand if there are certain things you wanted to include. Not really. I mean, um, you know, I think, again, and I think all of the, I hope people when they walk away from the sermon series have real practical things that they can apply to their life, that they can help help them flourish in life. But this is not the sort of thing that you're gonna like cross the finish line and then go, I've figured out pride, I've wrapped that up. I got my anger under control. I don't fear anymore. You know, I've, I'm done with media, uh, the technology, I, I'm, I've got that, a handle on that. You know, that's just not the way life works. And this hopefully are like kind of like guideposts along the journey that remind you go, oh, gotta, I gotta, gotta be careful about keep my eyes on myself too much right? mm. thinking about myself or I've I am I am you know I'm addicted to my cell phone I need to leave it in the car at times and and, and go to a park and just walk around or that this is this is a journey um, to grow and to mature and to grow in Christ and so I just hope people aren't getting the idea that it's like we're gonna just put a bow on it and okay my life's perfect now because it's not mm. it's never going to be like that Right, right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And for the whole sermon series, I think it's been a really good series and really important things for us to, to talk about and wrestle with this time. I always love this time together on Mondays. I always love, um, we are currently still discussing whether or not it is a thing that we will continue, um, into other sermon series. So if you're listening to this and you have an opinion, on whether or not we continue it. We'd love to hear your perspective and thoughts of something that you enjoy so we can make a decision about continuing it. Um, we've got a big week ahead of us though, starting yesterday with Palm Sunday and Confirmation Sunday. And then um, as we journey to the cross this week, every day there's a video meditation, well, podcast meditations that Carrie's recorded um, to help us be intentional about walking through this week. Tell us about Friday and Sunday. 
So Friday's Good Friday. We, we have two services, one at noon in the gym on the RPC campus, and then one at 7 p.m. in the sanctuary. They're both going to be uh, Tenebrae, I believe, communion services. Um, yeah. So they're going to be really moving. We're going to look at John uh, chapter 20, and we're going to look at, uh, you know, kind of Christ um, on the cross and asking, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I've always been, I mean, I find it one of the most moving, powerful moments in scripture where the God of the universe, who somehow mysteriously is enfleshed in human being, is as a human being, like cries to God that he's been forsaken. And mm. I think this is a fully full expression of Christ's identification with our own suffering, our own woe um, in life. And I think everybody it, has gone through times like this and we're asked, God, are you there? Mm-hmm. Does anybody know how I feel? And so we're going to look at that and, uh, and we're going to kind of plumb the depths and we're going to, we're going to journey through Good Friday and Saturday. And then of course, Easter Sunday, you have two services uh, at 630 sunrise services at the RPC cemetery and Brookfield. Then we have an 815, 930 uh, and 11 uh, traditional services with choir, brass, in the sanctuary, we have a, uh, what time is the family service? Uh, 9, 10, 30. Mm-hmm. 10, 30. 10, 30 um, in Alderman Hall, where that's, if you have like wild children that want to run around, that's a great service uh, uh, for them where you can feel really comfortable um, in there. And then we have the 1045 modern service. Now, if you've forgotten that, of course, you can always go to roswellpress.org uh, to see a full description of all those services and parking information and where to go. So we look forward to having a great Sunday and had a great turnout yesterday. So it's just fun to get back going and get be together um, and worshiping uh, together. I um, misspoke. I'm sorry. The family Easter service is at 930. Okay. I was off by a whole hour. So, um, but really when you go to the RPC webpage, there's a square right there that says Holy Week events and it's got all the information. So in case you and I messed any, anything else up, that's all right there. Um, But yeah, I'm really excited about, I'm looking forward to the weekend, excited about Sunday. I think that'll be good. So Jeff, thanks so much for this time and for all your wisdom and your insight. Maybe we'll do it again sometime. Let's do it. All right, take care. Thanks.